the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed it is, and what a glorious day we have in front of us. Nine minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Tuesday, the 23rd morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Uh-oh. What happened? France is starting with celebration again. What happened now? Yeah. Allow me to tell you what happened. It was easy to criticize, but they're really criticizing science. You're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. I'm the bad guy to an entire subset of people because I represent something that is uncomfortable for them. It's called the truth. We gon' celebrate your party with you. 
Dr. Anthony Fauci is going to hit the dusty trail before the sheriff gets on his tail. Republicans are going to win in November. And before they can start the new Congress in January, Fauci's hitting the trail in December. Somebody needs to seize his passport. Because when the investigations begin and the charges against Dr. Science are filed, he's a flight risk. You don't want to have to answer for his science. He's not going to want to answer for gain-of-function research. Dr. Fauci's leaving! (laughs) And real scientists all across the country are right now dancing to cool in the gang. Just like I am. That's right, I'm butt dancing in my chair. And I hope you're doing it in your car. We have been waiting for this, trying to get this pseudoscientist, this liar, this serial perjurer out of any sort of public influence. And return science to actual scientists rather than politicians and bureaucrats with an agenda. We already are. What will Fauci's legacy be? A legacy of destruction, of economies, of children, of education, public policy. Dishonest from the start. Lying all the way up to the very end. But it is no more. Let's just cross our fingers. In all seriousness, let's cross our fingers and pray to God that uh, this guy can't do any more damage in the remaining couple of months that he has then. He's going to have all of September and all of October and all of November before he hangs it up at whatever time in December that he has uh, decided he's going to do. But Dr. Anthony Fauci, his reign of terror, if you will, is coming to an end, and that is some good news. The reactions from all across the medical and scientific communities are pouring in. Dr. Scott Atlas said this on Tucker. I'll say his legacy is presiding over the greatest debacle in public health history because his recommendations were implemented, and those implementations of the lockdowns, and the school closures that he recommended, along with his underling, Dr. Burks, 
failed. They failed by the data to stop the spread of the infection. They failed to stop the known vulnerable to die from dying, and they inflicted enormous harms. They spared the affluent and the elite at the sacrifice exactly. of the poor exactly. minorities and our children. The sinful and long-lasting damage to our children is one of his legacies, because those policies of masking, isolating, and quarantining healthy children introduced massive fear in them, damaged them really uh, to make them think that they're vectors of disease and everyone's a danger for them. We haven't even seen the tip of the iceberg of that damage, but we've already seen skyrocketing self-harm visits by teenagers, suicidal ideation, mental illness skyrocketing, child abuse going unreported, massive surges in childhood obesity, a public health problem, serious learning losses, particularly among the poor and low-income families, again, sparing the... That's Dr. Scott Atlas talking about the legacy of Dr. Anthony Fauci, which, of course, you know, it begs the question, being as bad as he was slash is at his job, how did he pull the wool over so many people's eyes, including, by the way, leadership of two administrations? President Trump listened to him, too. President Trump listened to Fauci. Biden and his team have, of course, deified Fauci. And only now... After the fact, are people coming around and saying, yeah, this was, uh, these were some terrible mistakes, terrible guidance that he was at the forefront of? It wasn't just Fauci, by the way. It was Fauci, and it was Burks, and it was Redfield and others. Doc, former CDC director Robert Redfield uh, is admitting and acknowledging all of the terrible mistakes that were made in response to COVID, the damage that was done to the country, the damage that was done to the economy, damage done to the people, damage done to the children, damage done to the schools, and more and more and more that Dr. Atlas was, was uh, just talking about. But listen to this exchange between Neil Cavuto and Dr. Robert Redfield. I want to understand, I, I want to get the brass tacks on this, uh, is it just the guidance that was given was wrong? And then if we can get into specifics of that, uh, wearing masks, it was said originally, bad idea, not necessary, then everybody wear masks. Uh, is it on lockdown you know, and, 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 and keeping people home? Uh, that, that was advisable in the beginning, was that a mistake? And then for future pandemics is the signal that those kind of things will not happen in the future. Well, clearly the mandates and the lockdowns and the closing of the schools to virtual learning, all of that was a, was a public health mistake. There's no question about it. But what if everyone had gone about their mind. normal roles at the time, doctor, and gone back to work, gone back in crowded situations? You don't think that would have at some level made things even worse? Or in retrospect, you say, no, it wouldn't. Now, remember, that's pre-vaccine. I think if... Yeah, I think, you know, clearly uh, my view was that we take a pause, evaluate how to do things in a safe and responsible way. But shutting down the schools was much greater public health harm to the kids than keeping the schools open. Uh, so so just to be fair, doctors, I'm, I'm sorry to keep jumping on you rudely, but I, 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 that's an important distinction. You would have not done the school shutdown thing, but you would have embraced, as the Trump administration did initially, with some reluctance, this idea of everyone dialing things back, maybe, you know, doing their jobs from their homes, uh, just not extending that to keeping our kids out of school. 
Yeah, I would have been a very select on trying to look at each activity, how to do it, and safe responsibility and responsible. For example, in the restaurant business, I would have you know stopped loud music and people standing around bars, but I would have had people still be able to go into restaurants. Uh, hmm. uh, I think there was a mistake in those regards, but I think at the heart of it, Neil, and this is what I was trying to get at, CDC has a tendency to come up with information once they have all the data it's all wrapped up in a bow it's perfect it's ready for publication in a scientific journal and what public health response agencies have to do is take information in real time and try to make real-time recommendations and then modify those recommendations as the data evolves but i always give the example of my first briefing that i had a cdc director uh, on the opioid deaths it was a week or so after i was director and when i finished the briefing i asked the CDC experts what the data was through and they told me it was through in March of 2015 and I said but it's April 2018 <laughs> and they were explaining to me the complexities of getting data and I and I'm tired of that excuse, the complexities of getting data. The bottom line is, let's go back to the first part of what, Roger, what Robert Redfield said. The same thing that Scott Atlas has said. The same thing that scientists and doctors all over America are saying, particularly about Fauci and the CDC, both of whom were wrong, 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 and interminably, interminably wrong, and knew that they were wrong. That's the worst part about it. Dr. Deborah Burks just recently, two days ago, admitted and acknowledged she knew that the two weeks to slow the spread lie that, that governors like Mike DeWine and others used knew full well that that was a lie. Two weeks was going to be just enough to buy them time to find a reason to extend that spread or uh, extend that period. Two weeks to slow the spread was never going to be all it was. It was the beginning. They just didn't want to tell anybody that, and they have admitted as much. Dr. Deborah Burks also, on the record, as saying she knew, we played this clip before, she knew full well that the vaccines were not going to protect against infection. Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson, Johnson, none of them were going to stop infection. But they lied and said they're safe and effective, and they will stop infection. You will not get sick if you take this, uh, uh, these shots. They lied from the beginning, and the the ringleader of lies is now on his way out the door. Dr. Anthony Fauci is done. He is done in December. He hasn't announced a specific date in December, but he is done. And I'm going to go back to what I said at the opening of the show. The Republicans take the House and the Senate in November. They plan investigations as soon as the new Congress begins in January. And yes... Dr. Fauci is hitting the trail and just racing out of town in between in the month of December, hoping that maybe his uh, uh, his uh, uh, exit will will maybe tamp down the desire that many are going to have for uh, uh, for investigating him. Unfortunately for him, Dr. Rand Paul, senator from Tennessee or Kentucky, rather, has already said. Too bad, so sad, we're coming for you regardless. He tweeted this last night. Fauci's resignation will not prevent a full-throated investigation into the origins of the pandemic. He will be asked to testify under oath regarding any discussions he participated in concerning the lab leak. This is not something that happened organically. It was in Deed done via gain-of-function research, funded knowingly by Dr. Anthony Fauci, and the rest of the world paid a terrible price for it. 
And then he compounded his mistakes and his, his, I don't even know if he would call them mistakes because he apologizes for nothing. He compounded his decisions, his bad decisions, uh, by recommending all of these uh, lockdowns and uh, all of the things that we just listed uh, in response that has done so much damage to the people of this country. And quite frankly, to the country and its economy itself. So Fauci is on his way out the door. That is reason for a celebration this morning. We'll talk with you about it at 216-901-0945, Do you think Dr. Anthony Fauci needs to be charged for the myriad of mistakes that he has made, the intentional de- uh, refusal to change policy, even though he knew and they all knew that the advice that they were giving, the directions, not even advice, advice is okay, Directives, mandates, orders, policies are different. Knowing what they were doing to people and knowing the uh, the reality of the danger, uh, should he be charged? Should he be facing trial for everything that he did, particularly in the sanctimonious manner in which he did it? So we'll take your calls at 216 Now hold the music for a minute. I do want to get the pledge in before the break. Uh, I know we didn't... It's rare that I start with celebration instead of the Pledge of Allegiance. But when I do, it's with good reason. And this is a moment to celebrate. So we celebrated with Cool and the Gang uh, the uh, departure of Anthony Fauci. Now, I ask you, patriots, go and rise. Face your flag. If you're in your car, you don't have to stand. You can go ahead and put your hand on your heart and join us for this pledge. If you are a believer in all of those liberty-stripping regulations and policies that Fauci and others put into place, well, then you don't believe in liberty anyway, nor the flag that it represents. So you are exempted from the request to stand for this pledge. In fact, you can go ahead and take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us, however, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all now we'll take that break at 924. Always Right Radio on AM 1420 Dance. it's easy to criticize, but they're really criticizing science. You're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. I'm the bad guy to an entire subset of people because I represent something that is uncomfortable for them. It's called the truth. You represent trash. You represent lies. You represent perjury. That's what you represent, Fauci. Goodbye, Dr. Death. We have no more need for you. Now we're going to turn it over to real scientists in your absence. Yes, the real scientists like those who signed and authored the Great Barrington Declaration. Real scientists like America's frontline doctors who allow science to actually be conducted, to be challenged, to be studied, not to be, quote, settled. It's all over. Settled. This is what it is. This is what you do. And these vaccines are safe and effective. (laughs) Steve uh, in uh, Cleveland. Steve, you're on AM 1420 The Answer. Good morning. Go ahead. Thank you, Bob. Um, I humbly disagree with you. Um, I am not a fan of Fauci. I think that all this vaccine garbage, I'd say about 80% of it has been incorrect. 
However, I think it's a complete and utter waste of time for Republicans to waste their time going after this guy when you have millions of kids in our country being abused legally from our government. You have got so many other bigger problems to actually go against this guy right now when you have kids that are literally being abused and killed at young ages is completely showing that the Republicans are just a bunch of hot air. Steve, what are you and referring to? Hold on, hold on. Hey, hey, Steve, hold on. When you say killed and abused by the federal government, what are we referring to? Are we talking about forced vaccinations, or what do you mean? No, no. This country has legalized indoctrinating children into oh, okay, gotcha. into yeah. sexuality at age five and six. If you, if you don't think that that kills people, then you're pretty No, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. It does. Steve, here's the thing I would say in response, though, my friend, and thank you for the call. It's an old, old response, and I apologize for the simplicity of it, but we can walk and chew gum at the same time. If we don't hold Anthony Fauci responsible and investigate, particularly into the origin of this uh, this uh, virus that, that, that killed Lord knows how many people and, and caused so much trauma and so much damage for so many others, either from illnesses or for, through, as I said, economic or educational calamity if we don't hold him accountable what will stop the next one two five six nine ten twelve years from now however many it is what will stop the same type of abuse of americans liberty in the name of a quote health emergency or an epidemic or a pandemic what will stop it from happening again with the next fauci we cannot allow this guy's lies and the damage that he has caused uh, go unpunished. Otherwise, like I said, where's the deterrence factor? Now, do, does that mean we don't care about the other things? Obviously, you listen to my show. You know that that's not true because, of course, we care about all of those things. I make it a point every single day to discuss children being indoctrinated, children being sexualized by perverts at a very young age, people with a political agenda um, uh, to support and promote pedophilia and other things. And, yes, of course, it's abusive. And, yes, of course, I, of course I want Republican leadership to go after all of those things, too. But the federal government is large enough to handle, and the Congress is large enough to handle multiple investigations at the same time. One of them must be Dr. Anthony Fauci. Thank you, Steve, for the call. More calls right after the news on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Keeping you informed among the uninformed. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. 939 now, Always Right Radio indeed. Don't forget, alwaysright.us is the online companion to the show, alwaysright.us. This is a positive development, especially for NIAID and the NIH, but also for the country said Dr. Richard Ebright, molecular biologist at Rutgers University. The resignation of the serial mal- serially malfeasant, serially perjurious NIAID director will lift a burden from and remove threat to operations of NIAID and the NIH. In addition, it will remove the official who has done more than any other over two decades to enable, expand, and excuse high-risk gain-of-function research and to oppose and obstruct strengthened federal oversight of biosafety, biosecurity, 
and bio-risk management. Uh, Dr. Fauci's retirement after 38 years as director of the NAID leaves behind a mixed legacy. Under his leadership, the agency has supported the work of many brilliant scientists who have made many discoveries that directly benefit the lives of countless patients. At the same time, Dr. Fauci's leadership during the COVID pandemic has been divisive, rigid, and flawed. His advice on lockdowns, school closures, and other restrictions in particular ignored the tremendous harm done to children and other vulnerable people by the policies themselves while failing to protect the elderly from COVID. He deployed his allies in the press to destroy the reputations of scientists who disagreed with his pandemic management rather than seeking good faith discussions, as all scientists should. That from Dr. Jay Batakaria, Stanford University professor of medicine and one of the authors of the Great Barrington Declaration. All of this is so true. And the responses, again, are coming in fast and furious from people who have been so, so tired of Dr. Anthony Fauci leading us down paths we best not go and being responsible for this at the, in the first place. Sociopathic liar and political hack, gone. Uh, Dr. Rand Paul said, I th- I've thought for some time that he would flee as soon as he thinks he'll be given an accurate and poignant questions, and I think he won't want to stand up to the scrutiny, speaking of potential congressional hearings. I see Tony Fauci is retiring. Hard for me to see him in the fawning light the media does, ever since he told me to go on TV at the onset of COVID and tell people not to wear masks, said former White House Chief of Staff, Staff Mick Mulvaney. Good riddance to Anthony Fauci has the dubious distinction of being the white coat who funded the Wuhan Animal Lab and the bureaucrat behind Beaglegate, two major international scandals that White Coat Waste Project first exposed, said Justin Goodman, Senior Vice President of Advocacy and Public Policy at the nonprofit White White Coat Waste Project. Dr. Fauci has been abusing his authority and taxpayers and animals for a half century, and his retirement shouldn't let him off the hook. That's all the responses are. They just continue to come in hot and heavy like this. And uh, Americans should feel very, very good about the fact that uh, this is coming. It's Really, it's there's good news, bad news. Good news is going to be gone. Bad news is it's not yesterday. Bad news is that it's not five years ago, quite frankly. Uh, let's go back to the phones. We're going to talk to Rick in Cleveland next. Hi, Rick. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Oh, I'm sorry. It was Brian. Beg your pardon. Brian in Cleveland. Brian, are you there? Hey, go ahead, no sir. No problem. Okay, no go problem, ahead. Bob. Good morning. Hey, check it out. You know, Fauci's out there in front of the world trying to convince everybody that it's all developed from some wet market, some bat stew or whatever (laughs) the excuse was, right? Well, how is that any different than Obama, Hillary, Loretta Lynch coming out after Benghazi and saying that this is all due to a video? Not to mention his, his role in the uh, AIDS research, you know, taking African-American kids from orphanages and testing these, you know, testing all this stuff on them. The Beagles and, um, oh, man, I kind of lost my train of thought there, Bob. I apologize. No, it's okay. It's a long list. It's a long list of things. And by the way, that's an interesting comparison you made to the uh, uh, the whole reason for the Benghazi attack was uh, this this video, uh, which we you know we all know has been debunked fifteen different ways from Sunday. Um, but it is interesting that they want to turn around and blame something that is essentially um, uh, innocuous as as a way to avoid their own uh, personal decision-making that led to it. And, and clearly it was decisions made by the Hillary Clinton White House that allowed the, the Benghazi compound 
around to take all of those lives and to injure all of those people and to cause such destruction and damage, and not a video. And yes, it was gain-of-function research in the Wuhan China Laboratory, funded in, in large part by... I'm sorry? Oh, I, I just kind of remembered where I was going there. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's okay. Let me just finish the thought there, and then you can come back to that. And uh, but, it, but it was that gain-of-function research, uh, and not some ridiculous, oh, somebody ate a piece of a deformed or, a, or, or an infected bat and then spread that to other people in, in bat stew. It was, just, it was never even remotely credible to say that in the first place, much less uh, provable. What is provable and what we do know is the gain-of-function research that was being done there. And, uh, yes, he should have to pay the price for that. Uh, what, what was the other thought now that you remember it? No, I was just going to say, you know, unfortunately, my firm belief is, like anybody else, Hillary, Obama, Biden, nobody's going to be held to account, let alone be held responsible. They're just, like you said earlier, they're just going to sail off into the sunset, enjoy their million-dollar retirement package, and hopefully never to be seen or heard from again, but he kind of needs to be in prison, in my view, you know, crimes against humanity. Yes, I completely concur. That was the point that I was trying to make. And, um, you know, all, all we can do right now is, is hope that the Republicans, when they take over Congress, um, are, are going to have the same mindset that you and I do right now. They're not going to be passive, that they're going to be willing to go at the Democrats the way the Democrats come at them. They'll be willing to hold people accountable the way the Democrats clearly would if they ever could against somebody uh, that is supported by you know conservative uh, Republicans in Congress or out. I, you know, in the past, Republicans have fought, quite frankly, you know, as betas rather than alphas. You know, they've used kid gloves. They tried to soften things. They try to keep the peace, and they've never gone after the Democrats with the same fury that the Democrats have come after them. And I think this is one of those cases where I'm just going to cross my fingers and hope that when the Republicans take over, they're ready to do some work now, hold people accountable, make sure things like this never happen again, and maybe the next time there's a health emergency, before somebody orders a lockdown of our schools and our businesses and and an end to our our jobs and so on and so forth. They look and see video of Dr. Anthony Fauci in an orange jumpsuit behind some bars, and then maybe they think, "Yeah, we're going to rethink that before we go ahead and go down that road." That's my hope. All right, thank you so much for the call. I appreciate it, my friend. Let's go to um, Berea next. Hi, Sally. You're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. Um, I really think that when the Congress changes hands and in the new year. We should take a very comprehensive and measured approach to do a total investigation, start to finish, starting with game of function, the suppression of therapeutics, which is a crime. Many lives could have been um, saved had they not say, oh, don't take this, and even sometimes prohibiting uh, pharmacies to um, prescribe therapeutics. You're exactly right. That would right. have been very helpful. And then... Um, Again, the lockdowns and especially um, the children with the education. And we need to have huge hearings, call everybody in. And also the um, what was offensive was the lack of um, dialogue, you know, pre- preventing others from speaking out and, and other medical um, experts giving any input. Not only were they things- not allowed to give input. 
those medical experts had their own expertise challenged. They had their they right. had their credentials ridiculed. They were mocked as being fringe science. That they're not real scientists like Dr. Fauci. Uh, they're not real scientists like Rochelle Walensky. They 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 literally had their own you know in many cases twenty and twenty five and thirty year careers of respect uh, and knowledge uh, in the scientific community erased as as their their quacks if they don't go along with what Anthony Fauci and what the federal government's response to this was right it it's not scientific it's not um constitutional they were they were just it was a travesty of their civil rights and their you know their first amendment uh right to speak out so i think and, um, and, and the victims of this not only were them but all of us because we couldn't hear um and because they were canceled and silenced and had their rights violated, our rights to getting other opinions and other ideas on how to deal with it. And as you say, to the therapeutics, you know, to allow doctors to prescribe them for individuals who want them. They, and, and, you know, here's the thing. Unlike the Pfizer vaccine, if, as they call it, the profit shots, unlike those, those, um, when, when doctors did prescribe therapeutics, they told people what the risks might be. And they told them how effective it may or may not be. And people then had an option to decide whether they want to try these therapeutics uh, to prevent or to treat their, their, their COVID. Um, and guess what? When it comes to the, to, the, to the shots that the government pushed out on everybody and actually didn't give options but mandated as, as far and as wide as they could, they didn't tell them what the risks are. They didn't tell them about the palsy, the strokes, the myocarditis, the pericarditis, all of the other maladies, some much more severe than others, that could result from the uh, government-approved, FDA, emergency-approved uh, profit shots. And that is criminal to me, and I think everybody involved in that criminality should face a courtroom, including Fauci. Yeah, my husband had a delayed reaction, and it was like, oh, well, that's just a coincidence. That's not related to that. And how, how can you prove it is or it isn't? But it was very suspicious. Well, and, and they, you know, blew, and, they blew it off. Yeah, and, and causation, you see, this is, this is where we get into what the left would call conspiracy. And, and thank you for the call, by the way, Sally. I'll let you run there. It's, it's 9.50. Um, the the left and the and the supporters of mandatory profit jabs would call all of this conspiracy but they won't allow autopsies on countless and i mean countless numbers of people who died after taking those profit shots they won't allow autopsies medical examiners to find out what caused the death of people who had previously been fully healthy and had not had heart conditions at all, but suddenly now they've got cardiac conditions because of these jabs, they won't allow these things to be done. And I think we know the reason why. If it is proven that these shots were killing people, causing strokes, causing all kinds of other very serious and some not as serious conditions, the, the entire federal government would be, would be liable. The entirety of the federal government would be liable. That's why they can't allow it. So you say, well, where's the proof that what happened to you was a result or your delayed reaction was a result of the shots? They won't allow proof. But what we do know, and I've talked to many doctors about the VAERS reporting system. That is the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System that is a function of the CDC. That allows doctors and patients to report specific adverse reactions to vaccines, not just this vaccine, but to all vaccines. 
And I don't have the numbers in front of me at the moment, but I've talked to many doctors who have, and let's just say that the number of reports of adverse events, meaning serious reactions to these uh, shots, the number of uh, of, uh, events reported to the VAERS system are exponentially higher than at any time in history of the CDC. At any time. And so they say, well, where's the proof? We can't prove it in every single case because they won't allow the proof to happen. Doctors and medical examiners are not allowed to do so because the government would be on the hook for all of it. But the fact is that millions of Americans are suffering because they were forced to take these jabs or they were encouraged to take these jabs and were told that they're safe and effective. That was almost trademarked. Safe and effective by Pfizer. Safe and effective by Moderna. Safe and effective by Johnson & Johnson. Across the pond, safe and effective by AstraZeneca. It was almost trademarked. That's the only thing you need to know about these. Myocarditis, what's that? Safe and effective. Strokes, what's that? Safe and effective. Blood clots, it says who? Safe and effective. Palsy, eh, hey, you know what? They're safe and effective. That's all we were told. And we were lied to. And the chief liar was Dr. Anthony Fauci. And that's why we're focused on this so much. When he goes, he needs to go away from public office or public service, and I use that in air quotes, but then he needs to go right into depositions and right into indictments and hopefully right into freaking prison. I'll be right back. Oh, I love that. That just fit right into the discussion, didn't it? 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Charlie in Westlake. Got some thoughts on Dr. Fauci. Hey, Charlie, go ahead, bud. Hey, Bob. Yeah, I'm looking at the shot, this jab thing. It was, you know, so many billions and billions of dollars spent. It was free to us, supposedly, but the government's paying for it. The, the the jab is a new technology. First of all, they should have not unleashed it on the world, but it, it it's a therapeutic. It, you don't get real sick, so therefore you spread the disease everywhere because you're not sick. You're walking around because you got the jab, but you got the virus too. It actually caused the deaths. This is the big spreader. Nobody's talking about it, but when you have something that makes you less sick and you stay out there, you are the ones that are spreading. This is my belief and it's logic. It is logical. It is accurate. It's it's almost, you know, we could say provable. Uh, although I don't want to sound like them and say the science is settled and that there's no room for discussion, but I think you absolutely are right. I think you make great points. And here's the thing I would say about those shots, and thank you for the call, Charlie, as it pertains to Fauci leaving and I talk about what kind of investigations he he must face. I think every connection he has ever had to those big pharmaceutical companies, Pfizer, Moderna, and uh, Johnson & Johnson, um, should be explored and investigated with a fine-toothed comb. Ramp up uh, the cycle threshold, just like they do for those tests. Ramp up the cycle threshold and find out what connections there have been between Fauci and those companies. Because his you know, staunch opposed... Uh, uh, 
uh, opposition to the therapeutics, but his strong promotion of the profit shots indicates that there is absolutely a profit motive for his um, perjurious, if we will. That means his lying uh, uh, behavior during this entire thing. Thanks, Charlie, for the call. We'll come back after the news on Always Right Radio AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two underway now on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks so much for being with us. It's a Tuesday, eight minutes after 10 o'clock, 23rd morning, eighth month, year of our Lord, 2022. This is the year we've been waiting for. This is the midterm election we pointed to literally after they stole the election in 2020. And we said what we need to do is focus our sights on 2022, try to tread water, don't let too much bad happen in two years, and then we retake control. Uh, limit and make uh, Biden a lame duck in his first term. All of this stuff is, uh, is is very, very doable. We pointed to this, and so far we've staved off most of the worst things. We don't have two new states yet. Uh, they didn't uh, destroy the filibuster yet. They didn't pack the court yet. Most of the worst things have been held off. And uh, we've got two about three months left now, what, with 70-some-odd days left before we can uh, get to the polls and take power away from the demon rats. Um. It is beyond important that these elections, in order to make this happen, are free and fair. It is beyond important that we do not have a repeat, a recurrence of what happened on November 3rd of 2020. It is beyond important that we no longer have stuffed drop boxes, that we no longer have countless numbers of mail-in ballots sent to people who may or may not even exist anymore or live at addresses anymore. It is extraordinarily important that we have an an election we can put our faith in in November, in order to uh, in order to to stop the damage and to limit the damage to what has already been done. That's my backdrop for introducing Tom Zawistowski. Uh Tom, of course, is the president of the We the People Convention. He is also the leader of the Portage County Tea Party and many other titles, and he's working his tail off on the issues of election integrity. So have been Catherine Engelbrecht who founded and started True the Vote, very, very, very important organization, and her technical partner, Greg Phillips. They were the individuals behind Dinesh D'Souza's and featured in Dinesh D'Souza's 2,000 Mules, which chronicled so much of the theft of the 2020 election. And now they're in trouble, and Tom wants to help them. Tom, thanks for being with us, my friend. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Glad to be with you. So... Election integrity is, of course, I mean, I don't know if there's anything more important. You know, we talk about free speech being the most important thing, and that's true, it is, but I think they literally kind of all go hand in hand. 
We cannot defend free speech. We cannot defend the Constitution if we are constantly having elections stolen from us. And there are some people who have gone out of their way and put themselves in great jeopardy to shine a spotlight on the malfeasance, on the uh, you know illegitimacy of the 2020 election. And now as we try to make sure 2022 is on the up and up, um, these people are in danger. Uh, tell us the story as you know it about Catherine and Greg and what we, what we have in front of us. Well, Bob, it's very disturbing, and and you know, uh, you know, as you know, in two thousand mules, they put a lot of evidence. They showed you know, pings, cell phone pings, showing people going to drop boxes multiple times. You know, that would be way more than someone just casually walking by. In other words, the, the, the pings showed an intent. They had video of these mules dropping ballots, you know, in drop boxes, and not just one or two, but, you know, they would do a circuit where they're going to, you know, 10, 12, 20 drop boxes and dropping ballots. And, and basically, in the, if I may, Tom, in the dead of night, that's a, for those who have not seen those who have not seen 2000 mules. First of all, I don't know what you're waiting for. But just so you know, what we're talking about is in the dead of night at two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, because who, of course, doesn't have, you know, I've got these 15, 20, 25 ballots here from 15 to 20, uh, you know, family members. Yeah, family members. And I feel like feel like I should probably go get these in the mail. I'm going to go drop them in the drop box at 3 a.m. And you know what? I've got a really, really big family. Here's 25 more. I'm going to go not to the same drop box I just went to, but to a different drop box and dump those in there. It's all family. It's all legal. It's on the up and up. We're allowed to deliver things, deliver ballots for people in our family who can't deliver them themselves. I have a lot of infirm older people here that I live with. And you know what? Here, look at that. There's a few more. I'm going to go to a third drop box. All of this in the dead of night. And, and I say this, of course, all tongue in cheek, Tom, just to illustrate the absurdity that they thought they could get away with and all of which is proven in the movie i'm sorry continue no that's that's great and 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 of course they did that like 20 days in a row right like we all vote 20 times in a row right and and so the the problem was that that you know the last media the you know the the lamestream media would you know rejected 2000 mules and said well that doesn't really prove anything you know you don't have convictions you don't have proof uh, that anything was wrong and and the problem has been getting law enforcement to engage on this issue whether you know regardless of whether you're talking about federal law enforcement or state or even local law enforcement there's no one that really is in is responsible i guess you would say for uh, investigating and bringing charges everyone passes the courts don't want to hear anything about it do they bob oh no no we don't want to talk about election law right so that was bad enough, and, and it's pretty clear, you know, the polls show that most Americans feel that the election in 2020 wasn't on the up and up, and that there was this, this nefarious activity. But underneath all of this, there's been concern about foreign government interference. And, you know, the, the Democrats were the ones claiming that Trump was a Russian agent and that the Russians stole the 2016 election. But how dare we, when they steal the 2020 election, uh, suggest that maybe there was outside interference, right, Bob? You know, the, the, you know, you're just conspiracy theorists. And notice how the name China never, ever comes up. It's always Russia, Russia, Russia. 
So at the pit meeting last uh, a week ago Saturday uh, in Arizona, uh, through the vote had a meeting where they invited a pretty small number of trusted you know people, 150 or so from around the country who've been involved in election integrity, and I was honored to be at this meeting. And the purpose of the meeting, Bob, was to unveil something very serious that they had discovered and that they just didn't know what to do with. So at the meeting, uh, they streamed a lot of it, and you can find those links at wethepeopleconvention.org and go to our podcast page, little yellow button on the front page, take you to the podcast page. You'll see the links to the streaming video. But they did not stream the final part of the of the meeting because they weren't sure whether they wanted to get it out to the public or not. Since then, uh, Catherine has told me directly that they've decided that they're going to just let it out and let the American people know what they found and see where the chips may fall because they don't know what else to do, Bob. They, they just feel that they have to, to try to do this. So here's the long and short of it, folks. Um, about a year ago this time, uh, August of last year, uh, the True the Vote team was doing research on election integrity. You know, they've, they've collected databases from all the Secretary of State. They've got what they think is a national voter file. Uh, they've, you know, they've done all kinds of affidavits and FOIA requests and, and, and got documents and things like that. And so, you know, they're looking at people that have your voter information. And they came across a database that had the names and personal information of every person who works in an Ohio and in, in a U.S. election, the poll workers, the election officials, the uh, they has their their names, their addresses, their phone numbers, their children's names, their credit cards, their social security numbers. The database has uh, you know uh, layouts of every precinct of every uh, board of elections uh, building in the United States has all of their information. 1.8 million records. The problem is that that database was on physical servers, three physical servers in Wuhan, China. Now, why everything keeps going back to Wuhan, China, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it, you know, whether it's COVID or election interference, but it, it's very, it's not like a question whether that's true or not. There's ways when you can ping servers and look at the data to find out where they physically are at. There's also anecdotal evidence, uh, because Australia is using the same company uh, that these databases belong to. And during their election, they had problems during COVID. And when they tried to get assistance with their election software, the people weren't there because of the lockdowns in Wuhan. So that's another way to kind of identify it. But it gets worse. It gets worse than that. Uh, on these servers, they actually were able to see contracts. And let me be clear, true the vote, Greg Phillips, they did not hack into these servers. These, they did not hack these databases. They actually were open. You could, if you found them, you could actually just log into them. They weren't protected. And on these servers, they actually found... Um, hey, 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 Tom, let me jump in real quick before you tell us what's on those servers. I think that part is important because when you and I first spoke about this, I said, wow, they out-hacked the hackers. And you said, no, you corrected me and said, no, they did not hack. But as you said, they were open, and once you found them, you can log on. Well, you have to know the logins, right? You have to, how, do you, how do you find out the login codes? How do you find the yeah. passwords and so forth to get in? So the, these are things people are going to ask... 
when they say, mm-hmm. hey, you know, is this is this on the up and up? Is this real? How did they hack? Are we not doing the same thing they're doing? And if so, how do how are these? You know, how are Greg and Catherine? And I'm not asking this, of course. You you know what I'm saying here? But when, no, I, I agree. How, I how are they question. any more? How are they any more trustworthy than anybody else if they're hacking back? Uh, but but that's right. not that's not what they're doing. But I wanted to clarify that. Right, and, and so I'll answer that question uh, very concisely, and then hopefully they're going to have the video out this week of that session where they told us about this, where he answers it in more in depth. Good. But here's the, the quick answer to that. They're actually, like a lot, like my company, I use open source software, like MySQL is a open source software, and uh, I use Asterisk, which is a software uh, PBX. So the Chinese are actually using this open source software for this database, and in that software, there's a password that's password. And and if and that's when you download the database, that password is the default password. And if you don't take it out, if you don't actually take it out, uh, you literally can use that password to get in. And so people who know this open source database system try the word password, and it works. And there it is. Okay. There Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. So, so now let's get go. to the, and, and and I look forward to the video of them. Uh, you know, with a much more in depth explanation as to that on that. Mm-hmm. But now let's get to the issue of what's on those servers. Okay, so on these servers, they actually found documents like contracts. And one of the companies that they found uh, on these servers is a company out of Michigan, out of East Lansing, Michigan, called Konec, K-O-N-N-E-C-H. And this company is owned by a Chinese national who's now an American citizen, and it is an American election technology company founded in 2002, and basically it creates software for thousands of election offices across North America to use in their elections. It's called Poll Chief, and this software basically handles everything uh, uh, in your election from... uh, you know, from, you know, the names of the poll workers and their payroll and all that kind of stuff, all the way through, uh, you know, mail-in ballots and, and uh, poll locations and, and, you know, all the supplies necessary to run your election. And so that became a concern because now there was evidence that, like, for instance, in the Detroit, Michigan office, that the, the data, the, the, the voting was actually going to China. And and one thing that your listeners should know is that in China, sorry about that. That was a, a pop up. Go ahead. Okay. In in China, the law is that anything that is on the internet in China belongs to the Chinese government. There is no private ownership, whether it's Google or Apple or or this Connects company. It belongs to the Chinese government. And so on their on their server. They actually found like a contract that we saw on the screen that, that you know there's physical copies of, where they this connects company signed a contract with the uh, election officials in Detroit, Michigan, two weeks before the 2020 election, for a new software called Fast Count Software, and this software was needed because they were having trouble processing all the absentee ballots that were being dropped in the drop boxes. Well, on that contract, there, it says, where is the funding for this software coming from? And in the contract, it actually says the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, paid for the software that was being used in Detroit. 
So, as you can imagine... It it literally identifies not just Chinese government. It says CCP, Chinese Communist Party. Exactly right. Exactly right. Unbelievable. Okay? So, the problem was, so now you're true to vote. You're working on 2,000 mules. You come across this. You see it's a national security issue. Right. This is not good that they have the names of all these election officials. That's that's you know what they would use for blackmail or for bribery or for other nefarious purposes. Why else would they have all that? OK. And so to the vote went and said, we've got to do something. Who do you report that to? Well, you report it to the FBI. Now, everyone at the pit meeting broke out laughing like, oh, yeah, you can trust the FBI. But, Bob, where else are you going to take it? What other choice? I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, when you told me this off the air before we came on, Tom, I had the same reaction, didn't I? I literally said, oh, my gosh. No, I wouldn't take it to the FBI. I've got to find somewhere else because the FBI has proven to be untrustworthy, if not outright corrupt and contemptible uh, to people who are trying to, you know, prove malfeasance in the, the, you know, in the federal government, more importantly, in the federal electoral system. And, and so as I continue the story, you're going to see that that's proved true again. So they go to the, through the vote, Greg Phelps, Catherine Engelbrecht, take their data to the FBI office in Detroit. And the agents there are very interested. They start to investigate. They agree it's a national security issue. They're, they're investigating this Connects company and all the individuals who are connected to it. It's a, it's a you know, big, it's a big network that's, you know, it's not just in Detroit, it's all over the United States. And so the investigation is going fine, and True the Vote is helping. They're providing technical assistance. They're, they're showing them where the servers are and all that. And everything's going great until, like, January of this year. In January of this year, the Detroit office calls and says, listen, this is now beyond our scope it has to go to dc you know this this is cyber you know security stuff so we got to get our cyber people involved so just want you to know it's going up to dc and then they're going to take over from there well everything flipped by march of this year tom, the fbi in washington dc yep tom let me interrupt here because the rest of the story is the most important part of the story and we don't have time for it right now because it's ten twenty-five. so i'm going to ask you to hold on we're going to probably have to go to news here and then on the other side of the news if you're willing tell us the 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 upshot of where we are um uh, once this goes to the fbi in dc to the highest authorities within the federal bureau of of intelligence um and information, uh, this is when things get very serious for uh, for uh, Catherine uh, Engelbrecht and for Greg Phillips. So I'm going to let Tom finish that story. It's kind of a cliffhanger here. Although the reality is the story's not finished at all. It's just that now we'll get to the we'll get to the trouble that they face because of this, and then the end of the story will be what can we the people do about it? So I'll let Tom Zawistowski finish that story and move forward right after this, and right after the news on Always Right Radio AM fourteen twenty the answer. the light of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny always write radio with bob france and the answer okay ten thirty-seven. now we continue i want to bring back on tom zawistowski president of the we the people convention uh founder of the uh portage county tea party 
So, Tom, we're at this stage of the story. For those who just tuned in, super, super brief recap. Tom just told us for the last 15, 20 minutes about the situation. There was a pit meeting in Arizona last week that Tom was a part of in which uh, they were privy to all kinds of extraordinary, uh, extraordinarily dangerous uh, information with respect to the security of our elections and how so many of our votes are being cast and not going right to a ballot counter but going through China uh, and the Chinese Communist Party before being counted. Now, uh, the story that we are discussing specifically has to do with the um, investigators with True the Vote. That's Catherine Engelbrecht and her um, uh, investigator, I guess, if you will, uh, Greg Phillips, uh, both of whom were featured prominently in exposing the electoral fraud in 2000 Mules. So... Tom, if you could pick it up maybe before they decided to go to the FBI in Detroit first, then come back to the the, the real current part, which is then that had to be elevated to D.C., and that's where things went off the rails. Yeah, so basically they found uh, these servers in Wuhan, China, physically located there, uh, that had documents on them as well as records of all election workers in the United States, uh, information about all of the polling machines, all the barcodes for the, you know, the various uh, counting machines and things of that nature. And they found contracts. And these contracts showed that, you know, there are counties all over the United States, including Detroit, Michigan, that, you know, uses this Chinese company, Connects, to do everything from, you know, scheduling the poll workers to, the you know, taking track of the polling locations to, uh, you know, handling the uh, mail-in ballots for uh, U.S. elections. And so this information obviously was of concern to True the Vote because they're trying to make sure we have fair and honest elections. And they, you know, knew this was a national security concern, and they knew that they had to report it to someone. And the only one they could think of to report to, Bob, was the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI. They went to the Detroit Bureau uh, because this company, Connects, was outside, located in East Lansing, outside of Detroit. And an investigation began in about October of last year and continues, supposedly, to this day. But... In the process, um, Tom, 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 real quick, just to follow up, because you know, I've been, you know, this is hindsight, so uh, it sounds terrible to second guess them, because you know, I'm wondering why would they go to the FBI, uh, because of what we know that the FBI is. Could they have gone to an attorney first to figure out the next steps, and have they engaged legal counsel uh, since that original um, contact to the FBI in in uh, in Detroit, and before it got up to uh, to Washington? Yeah, that's part of the sad, you know, part of this story because they did. They they went to Congress. They went to congressmen like Jim Jordan and 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 asked if they could have whistleblower protection. And we're told no, you can't because you're not federal employees. They do have good lawyers. Uh, you know, they they have been very careful in handling this information because they recognize how sensitive it is. And you know, they they know that they couldn't really trust the FBI. So they've been very, very careful, okay. but they, they've also not been, they haven't lied. They haven't, you know, misrepresented themselves because you know how that goes, Bob, you know, we're going to get you on a process crime, right? We're going to, you know, we're going to do something to trick you because we can't really prove that you're doing anything wrong. And we've seen and so, that happen far too many times to Trump loyalists and supporters. Absolutely right. So okay. they, they go in good faith to the FBI in Detroit. 
The investigation is serious. It's being taken seriously. It's being handled. The agents there are very good to them. They, they're you know, on their side. They're working with them. Then it goes to D.C. in January of this year to be handled by you know, the Biden FBI and DOJ. And it's and once the cybersecurity people at the Washington, you know, FBI headquarters get involved, all of a sudden the story starts flipping. And instead of you know, true the vote being good patriots who are bringing this to the attention of the government, turning over everything they've got, you know, not hiding anything, they start getting accused by the FBI of espionage. They start getting accused of hacking these servers and of having, you know, information they're not supposed to have. And it's gotten real ugly. Their lawyers have been involved, but they've got text messages. They've got emails from the FBI, you know, throughout this whole process documenting that they were good with this. They understand it. They're on the same page. And then it flips. And so now Catherine and Greg are terrified that they're going to be arrested. For nothing, for not violating anything. They're going to be arrested on phony, trumped-up charges. And so the reason that they had the pit meeting was because they didn't know what to do next. And so they wanted to let us know, wanted the public to know, but mostly they wanted the, the, the people who can message the public, like yourself, Bob, myself, and others, and, and basically say, here's what we got, what do we do? Because this has to stop. And so the FBI... The U.S. Federal Bureau of Investigation has had knowledge of and has seen with their own eyes these databases, these servers, these contracts. They have everything that True the Vote has, and they've done nothing to stop it. These same Chinese companies are running the elections in these U.S. counties right now. They've ran it through the primaries, and they're going to be you know, online in the 2022 general election. And that can't happen. That has to be stopped. And so we're trying to bring attention to this at a national level. I know, Bob, you've been working with me to try to get them to uh, interview Catherine and Greg on some of the the bigger Salem shows and things of that nature. But we got to put the FBI, you know, on the defensive and say, explain yourself. What are you doing to stop these Chinese companies from handling our ballots in the 2022 election? Because... We just can't have that. You can't have a fair election when China's counting the ballots. Yeah, we're, we're talking to Tom Zawistowski, and of course you can't. You know, I'm looking at some of these accusations of international espionage, and they are accusing True the Vote, Catherine and her team, of stealing the physical servers, like backing a, like you'd see on a, on a, on a security camera, backing a, <clears throat> A van or a cargo truck up to, uh, up to the, to the buildings and, and physically ripping these servers out and carrying them off. Uh, and then hacking into the Chinese servers in communist China to get the information. I mean, on, on what are they basing charges like that? Are there physical servers that have been, that have been obtained uh, that were in the possession of True the Vote? Where do they come up with this kind of a charge? Yeah. I mean, it shows you how inept they are, how, you know, bogus their claims are. No, there were no physical servers stolen. You know, that, that's ridiculous. And, 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 you know, to even make that, you know, accusation it shows that they're not serious because if they just, you know, do what any, you know, qualified technical person would do, they could confirm that they didn't steal the servers. They, they could confirm where the data came from. It's all bogus. 
And so we're back, you know, we're right where we know we are. We've got a corrupt, politicized FBI and DOJ, and unfortunately, and you and I know this, your listeners know this, the Biden administration is in bed with the Chinese, from Hunter Biden on down, from Susan Rice to, you know, Kamala Harris. Go look at Kamala Harris's uh, husband and where he gets his money and where they've gotten their money. They're all on the dole from China. And so now we've got the FBI covering for China to corrupt our elections. It's outrageous. So the critics of your argument and the presentation and the evidence that was given at the pit meeting and so forth, they're going to say, if the Chinese Communist Party is literally controlling our elections, that the votes are going through Wuhan, China, which, of course, is more than just coincidental because of all of the cities in a massive, the most highly populated nation in the, in, in the world, um, it's that one city again. The same city that released the virus is the city in which these servers are being held and they're running the American elections. They're going to say, first of all, that doesn't smell right. Uh, you find the same boogeyman that you found the first time around. I'm just giving you what they're, what they're saying. Sure. And the yeah. second thing they're going to say is if the Chinese were controlling the election in 2020, why did there need to be all of the Dropbox issues that were featured in uh, in uh, uh, in 2000 Mules? Why did there need to be electoral fraud specifically among other bad actors in Arizona or in Michigan or in or in Georgia, et cetera? Why would they need to be, you know, ballots taken out, physical ballots taken out after the uh, counting had ended for the night and people were supposed to have been gone and then caught on security camera pulling out more ballots? Why would all of that need to be done if the Chinese could just manipulate their little server machines and beep, beep, boop, the vote comes in, the vote uh, one way, it goes out the other way uh, to their favorite candidate that they think is going to be beneficial to them? Yeah, then the answer to that is that the Chinese, you know, don't have uh, contracts with every state in every, you know, county board of elections. They have lots of them and some key ones, but not all of them. And so, you know, the left, and, and there's a great video, which was played, Trevor Loudon, I think many of your listeners know Trevor, I think you know Trevor, uh, he's from New yeah, Zealand, he's, he's a great guy, great patriot, great website, and his area of expertise is, you know, international uh, you know, communism and, and their attempts to overthrow the United States. He was the closing speaker. He led up, he did a presentation that led up to Catherine and Greg disclosing this information to us. That speech is on our website at wethepeopleconvention.org, and you should watch it. All of your listeners should watch it, because he explains just how deep all these Dropbox issues with 2,000 mules were orchestrated by communist-controlled organizations in the key states. He names them by name. He shows you the pictures of the people who led them. And so you will see how, and again, it's against the law for any foreign country to interfere in our elections in any way. Well, the Chinese funded these people in, in, in California, in Wisconsin, in Georgia, in other places. And so go to wethepeopleconvention.org and look for the uh, Trevor Loudon video. You'll see it under articles and watch it. I took it you know, from the, the stream that we did, and, and it, it explains a lot. And it'll make you understand will, how this is all connected. 
Yeah, I will share that on uh, my page as well on alwayswrite.us and get as much access to it as possible. But then the end of the story for now is, is where do we go? Because you said you've talked to members of Congress, including Congressman Jordan, who said we can't do anything because you're not an actual uh, federal employee. You're not, a, you're not, you don't get whistleblower protection. But even if they don't get whistleblower protection, what about just the evidence that they have uncovered? What about, hey, what will you do to secure our elections? Even if you can't protect us, we have given you information that the American elections, not just once, but on, in an ongoing manner, are being influenced by foreign countries. What can or will you do about it? Um, they're getting no response on that front either, right? Right, and that's what's very concerning. So, for instance, I had a conversation with Jay Sekulow, the head of the ACLJ, uh, who was the one that represented me when the Obama administration targeted the Tea Parties, and I was the lead plaintiff. And I'm trying to get Jay and others to figure out how can, for instance, if, if they arrest Catherine and Greg, and it's it's going to be held, the, you know, the grand jury or whatever's in Washington, D.C., what chance of a fair trial do you have? Do you even get to present your evidence? Under what circumstances do you get to present your evidence? There are no fair trials there. And so I'm trying to see if Jay and, and other attorneys are involved to see if you can make sure that, well, they're based in Texas. Can, can, if they get arrested, can they be, you know, uh, able to be in a Texas court? Because that's the problem. Where do you go for justice in a nation where there is no justice? The Department of Justice is the Department of Injustice. So our biggest weapon right now is going to be political pressure, our public pressure, from people screaming at their boards of elections, are you working with this Connects company? Um, I hope to have a list of all the companies, all the, the counties in the, state, in the United States that have contracts with them, because voters should be going to these monthly meetings these boards of elections have and saying, are you doing business with these Chinese companies involving our elections? We want you to stop. So we're going to try to instigate that as a, a method. But but it's dicey, Bob, and, and quite frankly, Catherine and, and Greg don't know where to turn, and we're all just trying to help by making the public know and make them call their attorneys. Like, for instance, the ERIC system. I know you know what that is, but the ERIC system is, is this, you know, George Soros-funded you know, trust group that takes that Ohio's Secretary of State gives them our entire voter rolls, and they claim that they're going to clean them up and get rid of the dead people and the people who've moved, and then give them back to Ohio. And in fact, what they're doing is inserting people that they can use for absentee balloting who aren't legitimate voters at all. The voter rolls are so bad, it's unbelievable, and we've got to get that out of, we've got to get Ohio to stop using Eric because it's not cleaning the voter rolls. It's making the voter rolls so you can cheat. That's right. Well, and Tom, so we're, it is, we're working on that. Yeah, this is this is uh, quite overwhelming. If you take it all, you know, in a in in in, a, in one big you know fell swoop like that, there's a lot to fight. But we do need to try to isolate and compartmentalize and figure out what we can do. I would highly urge people to watch the video that Tom is talking about and read his read and watch as much as you can on his website, We the People Convention uh, website, and. Um, 
uh, and contact you know Representative Jordan, contact who whichever uh, you know member of Congress you happen to be uh, in that district, and and say, look, we want some investigation done here. We want some investigation done here about what True the Vote has discovered. We want uh, some investigation as to what the FBI is doing about what is very provable with respect to the Chinese election, or excuse me, the Chinese election interference rather in the American elections, and what they're going to do to uh, Catherine and Greg. You know, it's funny, Tom. You know, we're sitting here as American citizens wondering, oh my gosh, if they can do what they did to Donald Trump, a former president, uh, you know, in Mar-a-Lago, what can they do to a regular old schmo like you and me if they find that we've crossed them in some way? Well, we're about to find out. Catherine Engelbrecht might not be a regular schmo, neither is Greg Phillips because of their, you know, the fame that they gained through the movie and through True the Vote, but um, we're about to see another example of American citizens being targeted by the government for daring to disclose or shine a spotlight on some of their own corruption, or at the bare minimum, their refusal to deal with corruption from a foreign country intervening in American elections. That's exactly right, but I want to leave with a positive note. Ladies and gentlemen, we, the American people, can fix this. We just need to let our voices be heard. We need to continue to ask these questions. We need to continue to get you know these people who are supposed to work for us to do their jobs. There's another very good video uh, that they put out about election certification that they put out the pit. And if you can, I, I ask you to go to WeThePeopleConvention.org, and there's a little orange button that says the podcast. And if you go to that page, you'll see links to all the stories I covered in my podcast. And there's a link about a certification law. Bob, it's unbelievable that most of the elections that were certified in 2020 were illegally certified because they did not follow the law, including civil rights law, that shows what they must do to before they can certify an election. And, and here's the best part that we learned at the pit meeting. They could, people in boards of elections can be personally held accountable if they serve and certify an election without doing all the things to make sure the election was handled according to U.S. law. Election law, civil rights laws, a whole bunch of laws. That video is also linked on our podcast page. I ask people to watch that. It will give you hope that if you can go to your board of elections and say, we want you to tell us that you've gone through all these steps to certify the machines, the process, you know, the, the employees, everything before you certify. It will stop a lot of this lawlessness. We can never give up. We have to defend our right to vote. We have to defend our liberty. And I don't want people to be afraid. I want them to be emboldened, and I want them to fight for their liberty. That is a great message. That is a good way to end the conversation. Tom, thanks for putting in the overtime here. I know you've been working very hard on this. I didn't intend to keep you for nearly an hour, but I'm glad you did, and I hope people will understand this and go to WeThePeopleConvention.org and watch these videos and learn more. And more than that, become activists and actually try to get something done uh, with our legislators and local elections boards and so forth uh, to try to rectify the situations. Tom Zawistowski, thank you, my friend. Thank you, Bob. 10.55. Wow. That's a mouthful. I'm looking at the uh, videos right now. I'm looking at Trevor Loudon's video, uh, which is on the page as well. All these things that Tom is talking about, you have to settle in. It's going to take some time. Some of these are lengthy, but I think they're worth our investigation. If we care at all about this republic and the integrity of our election system. 1056 now, Always Right Radio, right back on AM 1420, The Answer.
You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer. Eight minutes after 11 o'clock and hour number three is underway on this Tuesday. It's the 23rd morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. You know, I didn't even mention it because we were so caught up in some of the other news of the day, including uh, Dr. Fauci's announcement that he is on his way out uh, as of December, perhaps uh, making a run for it. I still say they take his passport from him. He's a flight risk. Um. I didn't even mention that uh, Peter Kirstenau was not going to be on. He is, of course, our regular Tuesday guest. People tune in specifically for him uh, at new, or at uh, 10 o'clock every Tuesday. Uh, Peter is going to be on with us tomorrow, same time, 10.10 a.m. Uh, he's still working out of state uh, on a bunch of uh, labor issues uh, with his law firm. You know, he actually has a day job. He doesn't just sit around and do radio guest spots. So he's uh, back on with us tomorrow. And thank you to Tom Zawistowski for shining an incredibly bright spotlight on some extraordinarily disturbing information with regards to our our elections and election integrity, not just here in Ohio, but literally all across the country. It is a very, very dangerous situation, one that needs to be rectified sooner rather than later. And people like Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips need the assistance of the uh, American representation right now in Congress. So we're going to continue to talk about that as time goes forward between now and November. But joining us now as we begin hour number three, it's been a little bit since we talked to uh, former congressman and former gubernatorial candidate Jim Renacci, but he's got a couple of pretty big events going on with the Republican Party of Medina County coming up. Uh, so he's here to tell us all about it. Good morning, Congressman. How are you? Good morning, Bob. Doing great. Hope you're doing well. I am indeed. So I uh, got a little uh, a little flyer sent to me yesterday about the Republican Party of Medina County and the annual finance dinner that's coming up in October. And it looks like you've got a couple of pretty important people who are going to be there. Yeah, you know, one thing I've learned about Republican politics is that instead of bringing candidates in, which is, you know, never a good thing, in my opinion, um, because the candidates should be available to everybody anyway, or even or even elected officials. I like to bring the outside perspective, and you know we've done that um, by bringing in other outside celebrities, whether it was Laura Trump or uh, Don Jr. Um, so uh, you know our goal has always been to bring in people who can kind of give that outside perspective and. Uh, again, we're going we're gonna to be doing that, but uh, um, we also have this forum as well, too, that uh, I want to make sure your listeners are talking about because uh, I believe that's important, too, uh, and that's being done by the um, uh, American Greatness uh, Pack as well. So we've got well, a couple of events we'll, coming. We'll, we'll talk about that one, I promise, because I'm going to be part of that one. So. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> I will but, not you, you, it, you, but you, you, it'll be part of our finance dinner, and 
you know, he brings a perspective, a conservative perspective. But, you know, we also have the uh, president, a uh, former president's press secretary coming in, assistant press secretary as well, which I think are, you know, these outside perspectives are always good when you can bring somebody in who can talk about it uh, and, uh, you know, give people that outside perspective. Too often they only get the perspective of the main street media, which we all know is only going to give the false perspective, not the factual perspective. Well, yeah, you're so right. I mean, you know, so many events that I've been, you know, in attendance at or spoken at, um, you know, we talk about what's going on in Washington, but we talk about it from outside of Washington. We try to guess. The only thing we have is people like you who spent a great deal of time there, obviously, in Congress. But we need to know what's going on right now, literally in a real-time uh, manner. And, you know, Hugh is inside the Beltway. Hogan Gidley, the Deputy Press Secretary for President Trump, was inside the Beltway and inside the administration. So getting a real understanding for what's going on there from people who are inside, who are connected, uh, helps us know what steps to take next in order to try to you know continue the constitutional conservative uh movement in this country uh so it, it's really important to get those folks there so i'm so glad that you've got hugh who of course we have every day here we're blessed to have on salem but but moreover he's in dc and he's um he's as connected as anybody is and then obviously that direct connection to the trump uh, trump uh, presidency the trump administration with hogan gidley is a big get as well All right so we're hoping to get that perspective out like i said you's always been a um, uh, well, and, and for those that don't know, Hugh's from Ohio, and uh, so he knows Ohio politics well. I, I won't uh, hold it against him that he was a, although he had me on the radio show, he is a DeWine supporter, um, and, and that's okay. But uh, No, it's not. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I've told... I've told him as much, you know, and I don't. I don't guest host his show anymore. I, uh, those invitations stopped coming from Hugh. I do Dennis's show and I do Brandon Tatum's show, but uh, Hugh doesn't like the fact that I've called out called him out for his uh, Dewine support, and uh, uh, and that, that's not good. But that doesn't mean he doesn't have a lot to offer, which is what's going to make that uh, finance dinner in October still a very very great event to be at and a very important thing to support Republican politics. Um, he was like so many other people who, you know, I've talked to who said, look, uh, you know, uh, Governor DeWine is a Republican, therefore we have to support him. He's an incumbent Republican, which is, which is much harder. You know this. It's much harder to win a seat, to win an election against an incumbent than it is an open spot. Uh, and they wanted to make it as difficult for the Democrat nominee as possible to win. Uh, and so they, you know, their belief is, hey, let's keep the Republican incumbent in his seat. It's going to be much harder to unlodge him from that than it would be from, you know, basically, uh, you know, a, a new nominee in the, in the Republican Party going against a nominee from the Democrat Party. So like so many people, he kind of thinks that there's some there's a reason to, to keep the incumbent in place. But uh, the bottom line is, um, you know, he's coming to support the Republican Party uh, in Medina County. And obviously that extends to the state of Ohio and that extends to the country. Sure. And our finance dinner is October 1st, Saturday, October 1st. For anybody that's interested, they get tickets at medinagop.org. Uh, it should be a great event. And uh, Hugh Hewitt is a supporter of Jim Renacci, uh, always has been. Uh, he just was not in the governor's race. But you're right. That's the problem. And, and that leads us to why uh, the American Greatness uh, Fund is so important uh, and the event we're doing with you. Uh, but, Bob, I also want to tell you a little story. I was in Houston, Texas yesterday because I've been meeting, and, and that's why I love the American Greatness Fund. I've been meeting... 
rebuilt the Republican Party in Texas. Had a great meeting yesterday. Hey, hey, and Congress, Congressman, me, Congressman Renese, your phone glitched as you were describing why you were in Houston. Could you say that again, please? Yeah, I, I was in Houston, Texas, dealing with the Ohio, the, the, the Texas conservatives who have rebuilt the Texas Republican Party down there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they built the Texas scorecard. They've built uh, a, a system where they hold elected officials accountable. Um, they're continuing to hold elected officials accountable, and they want to build that same system in Ohio, uh, and that's one of the reasons why uh, the American Greatness Fund is so important. And the event that we're having on September 15th at the Thirsty Cowboy, it's Ohio Conservative Forum, because what they told me yesterday, which I thought was so important, you have, that there are good people out there that want change, but too often they think the best change is just to not elect people who have ever been in office before. And and what they told us what they told me yesterday was you have to give people a, a long-term vision. And, and we talked about the, the primary and, uh, and how there was another guy in the primary who was all about no Renee, no DeWine, and we know this guy, the, the cowboy from Columbus. But what he said, what, what the founder of this organization told me yesterday was, you've got to convince people that even that person is not the right person because if he or she doesn't have a long-term vision, then they could actually make the state and the party even worse. And I think I learned a lesson yesterday because that's what we want to do with the Ohio Conservative Forum on September 15th uh, at the Thirsty Cowboy. I want to bring conservatives together, and let's start talking about what we need to do to change our party, to change the principles, and to move the party forward um, in the right direction. And I think that's going to be one of the topics. Uh, open forum. Uh, there'll be Vendor Village with a variety of conservative groups. Bob, you'll be on the panel. Jack Windsor will be on the panel. Mike Gibbons, Chris Dore from Ohio Gun Owners, Scott Wiggum, a state rep, Jennifer Gross, a state rep, John Morrow, Committee for a Better Ohio, Diana Stover from Save Ohio's Children, J.C. Church from Ohio Faith Activists, Shannon Burns from the State Central Committee, Let's start bringing conservatives together around the state and let's have a plan and let's listen to each other and let's figure out how we can come together. Because clearly, the one thing I've learned is we fail when we don't come together. Oh, you are so so right about that. You're, and I love the idea. We, you know, a lot of us make a lot of noise in our particular locations throughout the state of Ohio, um, and it's great. Um, but you know, ours are our lone voice in each of those instances. When we come together, there is attention that is paid. There is a spotlights kind of go from all different corners of the state to one location. And say, wow, look at that! Look at all of those people coming together, and look at the ideas that come out of it. You know, it's I, I feel like I have the right message most of the time. I'm sure some of these other people, and in fact, all of these other people that are going to be on the 
on the panel in their own various uh, uh, locations and 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 entities, if you will, you know, as as activists or as representatives of, of various organizations or media like myself. We all have different ideas. We all have good ideas, but boy, they just carry so much more weight when they are joined together with other conservatives. Uh, and we all come together in one place, and everybody starts to look and say, "Wow, look at that!" And look what can come from that. So I think it's a phenomenal idea. That's why I was uh, hesitated about zero point two seconds to say yes when I was invited to be a part of this panel, and I'm. Very very much looking forward to that. So that one's sooner. That one's September 15th. The uh, finance dinner uh, for the Republican Party in Medina County that uh, uh, Mr. Renacci is telling us about is on October 1st. you got a couple of things about two weeks apart. The September 15th event is um, at the Thirsty County or Thirsty Cowboy rather in Medina. And then the uh, other one, uh, the finance dinner, of course, is going to be at Williams-on-the-Lake, also in Medina. We want you to get tickets uh, and join us for each of these events. How can they do that, Congressman? Well, Medina GOP for the finance dinner and, of course, the American Greatness uh, Fund.org.com. I'm sorry. They can get uh, tickets for that as well. Um, or Medina GOP. I mean, again, if, you're, if you can connect with Tom Wyant, um, he is the, he's uh, in charge of getting this done. And, again, I'm going to continue. One thing, Bob, you've probably heard or know about Jim Renacci, I'm not leaving. I'm going to continue to fight for what's right. Uh, I'm going to try and work to bring people together. We're trying to get a Blystone activist on the panel as well, because um, I do believe that it's important that everybody's voice is heard and why they support one individual or another individual. But I also want to make sure everybody's talking about how we come together as conservatives. Well, that's admirable. First of all, I, I think that's one of the reasons why I and so many other people were very vocal supporters of yours during this campaign, as you say, because you're not going away. You're not in a campaign for office now. And yet here you are, front and center, in supporting and leading the Republican Party of Medina County and being elected leader of the American Greatness uh, uh, Fund. So you, you obviously mean what you say when you want to help the state. It's not just, you know, it's not just words. You're not just talking the talk because you're up for office. You actually mean it, and you're doing it now that you're not in a campaign anymore. So that's one of the reasons that I think a lot of people like you, and it's one of the reasons I supported you is the authenticity. Um, as it pertains to what you just said about the Blystone thing, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. He's facing 13 potential election law violations referred by the uh, uh, secretary to the election commission. Uh, so he and uh, his treasurer, which happens to be his wife and friends of Blystone, were all referred you know, a lot of us had a big problem with this because we found out about it before the election. It would have been, I think, a wise thing to do for him to drop out in the midst of all of that. And maybe right now we're talking about Jim Renacci versus Nan Whaley instead. Well, absolutely. And one of the problems that many of the activists who supported him, and they're all good people. This is not, many of them are good people. Is they, were, they really bought off that he's an outsider. The problem is he's an extremist from the standpoint of, if you look at his history, some of the things he's done in his background, and this. I mean, clearly, the only thing that's disturbing is this should have come out a long time ago. Here's where um, conservatives, I hope, will learn that there was a lot of protection going on. You know, Bob, it's interesting. Since the campaign, I've had people come to me and say, you know, Governor DeWine was the happiest guy in the world that Joe Blystone was in the race. I've had people from the Republican Party say, you know, Jim, you would have definitely won, but... Um, everybody knew that with Blystone in, you couldn't win. I even had a conversation with former President Trump 
a month a month before the primary, he said, you know, uh, Jim, he said, I support you, I believe in you, but with this, with this character, that's what he called him, this character I understand is in, he's going to split the vote and, and you're not going to win. The problem was that if you really, if these violations would have come out, and they could have come out, the, you know, if I, I always chuckle, if it was me or you and we had these violations, we probably would be front and center in the paper and uh, months before the primary, and we'd probably be embarrassed in the paper. But it's interesting that finally the Secretary of State has, has put these 13 election violations out there, but it's months after the campaign. This could have been done months before the campaign. And in many ways, that's the way the establishment protects themselves. Yeah, and it is very frustrating when I think about what could have been had they done their job right, had the Secretary of State done this right and uh, put these all out there, because you're right, and, you know, and I agree with what you said about Blystone supporters. I never had a beef with them. I never did. I mean, it came out that way because of some social media comments and things like that, but the bottom line is I think there were good people who wanted change, who wanted that outsider perspective, didn't like the traditional politici- politician. It's a, it's a popular thing to be now. Everybody wants to be the outsider, and he comes in with a big hat and a long beard, and that doesn't look like a normal politician. Yeehaw, let's go. Um, it's easy to get pulled in by it. I don't blame them. I think they wanted the right things. They just got hoodwinked, I think, by the wrong candidate. And I think we're going to pay a price for that, by the way, even if Mike DeWine wins and holds off Nan Whaley, uh, because uh, you know there's not too terribly much of a difference between them, at least in, in my perspective, from my perspective. And Congressman Rennes, before you go, I would also be remiss if I didn't ask you about the Senate race. You know, you've been in one of these. As I said, you've had the misfortune of going into races against incumbents, uh, against Sherrod Brown, obviously, uh, in this uh, in this uh, uh, primary fight against Mike DeWine. It's a lot harder to win against incumbents. But in J.D. Vance's case, there is no incumbent. Uh, Portman is on his way out, so it's uh, J.D. or Tim Ryan. And we just got a new survey that I read in Jack Windsor's Ohio Press Network from the Trafalgar Group, which is an independent polling organization that shows... J.D. Vance by nearly 5%, despite Ryan spending at least $6 million since the May primary uh, on his television campaign already. J.D. Vance is now leading him by close to five points. Well, look, we're, we, we lean Republican. I still believe we're a purple state. I still believe the big issue for Ohioans is Joe Biden. Uh, uh, you know, we have a Senate candidate, Tim Ryan, who is attached to um, Joe Biden, which is going to help J.D. Vance. J.D. Vance, I hate to say this, but I will, is not helping himself because he's not getting out. He's not getting around. I've got people calling me saying, where's J.D. Vance? I had somebody walk in to my office and say, you know, is J.D. Vance even around? Uh, Now, to his credit, he's trying to get out. But I will also say what's interesting, it wouldn't have taken very much for me to defeat um, Sherrod Brown in 2018. Remember, out of 4.2 million votes, I only lost by 150,000 votes. But Sherrod Brown spent 33.5 million to my four. I got no help from Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell just agreed to put up $28 million for J.D. Vance. So um, that's going to be very helpful for J.D. In a, in a state that understands that we have a Democrat president who is taking us in a horribly wrong direction and i think that will help jd but in the long run a five point um is still not the, the margin of error I, I i do worry 
when we have uh, polls that have J.D. only up by three points, or even there's some polls out there that have Tim Ryan up by two points. That means it's anybody's game. And as we all know, Bob, elections are the last 30 days. And we're not in those last 30 days yet. And there'll be massive amounts of money spent on both of these candidates. And in the end, uh, that's the reason I lost to uh, uh, Sherrod Brown. He spent six or seven million in the last 30 days, and I spent 600,000. He outspent me. Uh, it's going to be a spending spree for both of these candidates in the last 30 days. In the end, we need to make sure we remember that Tim Ryan is connected uh, to one of the worst presidents in Joe Biden, and he votes with Nancy Pelosi and, and Joe Biden. And, and I think that's what will help uh, J.D. Vance, but it shouldn't be close at all. It shouldn't be close. Yeah, and I don't think it will be. I'm, I'm a little more, a little bit more optimistic on this than you are, based on what your comments are. The fact that 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 Ryan has spent at least six million dollars in the last two and a half months since the primary, and Vance has spent next to nothing. And what has it gotten him? Has gotten him a deficit. He's losing to Vance by five, almost five in this poll, over seven in the Carlton poll, which is another one that came out yesterday. So we've got two, two. The two most recent polls show Vance up between four point six and seven point two percent. Lightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. About five minutes left in the broadcast. If you missed the interview with Tom Zawistowski, it's going to be put up on alwaysright.us. Probably about an hour. Uh, very, very important conversation with him. And then, of course, we just had a great chat with Jim Renacci, too. Two big events coming up in uh, uh, the next two months on uh, September 15th. Uh, at the Thirsty Cowboy in Medina, and then the Finance Dinner on uh, o- October 1st at Williams-on-the-Lake, also in Medina. Info on those things at Medina County, Geo, or excuse me, MedinaGOP.org, MedinaGOP.org. Let's get a few phone calls in here before we're done. Uh, Strongsville, Navy Man Norm, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Norm. So evidently it's okay with the Fascist Bureau of Intimidation, formerly known as the FBI to me, to harbor Chinese communists within the infrastructure of our elections. Uh, that's what I read from Tom Zerikowski's and the True Vote uh, research. It just it just boggles my mind, Bob. You know, you try to do your job, you try to go out and work for the good of the country, and you're the bad guy. We're the bad guy, but it's okay for them to embed themselves in our infrastructure of our elections and then turn it over and everybody uh, you know, looks a blind eye towards it. Yeah. Um, very simple, Bob. Follow the money. Who's getting paid off? Who is getting paid off in the government and in our election system? Because somebody evidently is. I mean, it's a travesty beyond compare. But I do have one question, and I'd like to ask Jim Jordan this. What's that? Only one Republican congressman had the cojones to come out and introduce a bill of impeachment Again, against meritless garland. Marjorie Taylor Greene, the only Republican out of all those wonderful 200 and some plus Republicans in Congress, she was the only one that come out, came out, I'm sorry, and introduced a bill of impeachment against Merritt Garland. It just, where's the rest of them? Where are the rest of them? And that includes Jim Jordan, Bob. 
Well, I'll tell you what. It's something I can ask him, and thank you for the call, Norm. Um, if, if I would be so presumptuous as to answer for him and for others, um, I really feel as though they're going to wait and keep all of their arrows in their quiver, if you will, until they take power. When they take power, when they win back the House, and God willing, win the Senate as well, that is when you will start to see movements and actions like that being taking uh, taking place. They know they have no power whatsoever to get an impeachment vote or hearing started or anything else right now when they are not in the majority. And I feel like a lot of them are going to hold their, keep their powder dry. Is another way I'm going to mix my metaphors here. If you're using arrows or or guns, uh, keep your arrows in the quiver, keep the powder dry until it's time. Uh, and I think that's probably what the answer would be from Jim Jordan or anybody else. Thank you, my friend. John and Chard next. Hi, John. Go ahead. Hey, Bob, before I get to my main point, uh, I'm not seeing a, a big problem with election fraud in Ohio. I mean, am I missing something? Well, what you're missing is the potential for election fraud on two fronts, and this is something Tom was talking about as well, as far as the cleaned-up voter rolls. Uh, using the ERIC system that we do in this state, that the Secretary of State has decided to do, calls into question the validity and the accuracy of those voters, because the ERIC system has been corrupted in many states, and it has been proven that they are not only removing dead voters from the rolls, which is what you're supposed to do, and people who have moved, get them off of the rolls, and so on and so forth, but they also can and have um, uh, added names to the voter rolls of individuals that they want to be able to send ballots to that are not legitimate voters or not even in existence at all. So there is a severe question there. That's number one. And thanks for the call, John. And number two, um, the, the Dominion voting machines can still be hacked. They can still be accessed. It's been proven on a number of tests inside of two minutes. They can be gotten inside and have votes changed, totals changed, and so forth. So while we don't know, we, we can't say that the votes have been corrupted, the potential is there, and that's the reason it's a concern. That's all the time we have today. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.